Can I have all y'all stand up? I want to say hello to all the campuses, all the people watching in the military out there. Let's give all the military a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. If you are if you are a visitor, my name is Miles, I'm the pastor of the church, and we are celebrating 20 years in two weeks. God bless you, 20 years. So our actual date is February 27th. We want to invite you out March 1st, which is in two Sundays from now, and come out and celebrate with us. We're going to show you some videos and all that kind of stuff, and it's going to be a great time, but it seems like it's going, going by so quick. How many of y'all feel like your life is flying by? You're old, right? You're old. I meet people and they ask them, how old are they? I say, I'm 32. I feel old. I'm like, you still got diapers on at 32. Come on now. So listen, let's get on our knees. We got, we, got, we got a little sermon to get in your business today. How many of y'all, by, by saying amen, if you know the movie, uh, Remember the Titans. Amen, amen. How many of you, say amen if you have not seen that movie. Well, you need to get saved because uh, <laughs> that is the best movie on the planet. And in the movie, Denzel Washington is a football coach and him and another football coach are having an argument. And the other football coach is kind of, pressing Denzel beyond where he wants to go, getting in his business. And he says, coach, you're overcooking my grits. <laughs> um, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would overcook your grits today and get in your business. Can I get amen? Amen. We're not just going to tell you stuff to make you, you know, scratch your itching ears. We want to tell you something that's going to get in your business and, and make you more like Jesus. So let's pray that we would be ready for what he has. Amen. amen. I can say it, but you got to receive it. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray you get in our business. I pray you set people free today. I pray that uh, in an unexpected way that you would blow them up and then put them back together. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh say, uh-oh. <laughs> Say, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Get your Bibles out, get your Bibles out. You can be seated. <laughs> get your Bibles out. Turn to, let's see your Bibles on the count of three. Say word. One, two, three, say word. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 8. There was a young man named Tommy who, when he was about six months old, his father committed some violent crimes and was arrested for 25 years in prison. Tommy didn't know his dad. He was six months old when he left he heard all these stories about how violent he was to other people, how violent he was to Tommy's mother. And all the stories he heard turned his dad into a monster. And that was the only image he had. And he was mad at his dad for what he did. He was mad at his dad because his dad wasn't in his life. He had all this resentment towards his dad. Never wanted to see his dad. Didn't want to hear about his dad. Didn't talk nice about his dad. Didn't want anybody to talk about his dad. And then unexpectedly, his dad was released. Well, he got to notice his dad was going to be paroled, released from prison into the same city Tommy was where they grew up. And so him and his mom and his family went into Code Red to try to prevent his dad from coming to see him. 
pr protect his mom from his dad being around her because in their mind, he was a monster. He was a criminal. He was evil. He was dangerous. And so they were going through this for like two weeks as they were finding out he was going to be released. And it was just panic in their family. And then the night before Tommy's dad was released, they were at dinner. And Tommy said in a very different tone, I, I want to I bring my dad some clothes because uh, he's been in prison for 25 years. He probably doesn't have any clothes. And, you know, I, I want to make sure he has some clothes. And it was in that moment that Tommy humanized the monster. The monster all of a sudden became his dad. And the monster was someone that Tommy wanted to have a relationship with. He wanted to know because after all, it was still his dad. We all have been hurt by somebody and some of us are the person that hurts somebody. And we have a tendency very easily to vilify them and turn them into a monster, someone we need to avoid. But if we're truly going to have forgiveness and enjoy forgiveness, we're going to have to humanize the monster. Everyone say humanize the monster. It's the title of my message today. And I want to talk to you about three ways that you can experience true forgiveness by humanizing the monster. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Give me a hand. I want to talk to you about first humanizing your monster because in someone's eyes, you are the monster. That's step number one. You need to realize that you are guilty as well. That's to something. Then you're going to humanize their monster, and then you want to bury both monsters. Can I get amen? Last week, we started this series called Forgiveness, and we talked about the bondage of unforgiveness. And we had this illustration last week that when you don't forgive somebody, you start to carry around emotional burdens, physical burdens, spiritual burdens, social burdens, uh, mental burdens, where when you, uh, you carry unforgiveness, you start to argue with people in your head you can't speak kindly about them. You can't pray for them. The Bible says when you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive you. So now you have spiritual issues in your life. And these burdens be, will put you in bondage. And we talked about last week about carrying those around yet still trying to be Christian. And it's because you have justified in your head that I should be mad at that person, mad at that person. And God has said you need to let it go. We talked about forgiveness being not about them. Forgiveness is about you. Everyone say forgiveness is about me. It's about you letting go of those burdens. So you can do what we say is the, is the definition of forgiveness. Look in your notes, look on the screen. Forgiveness is restoring the ability of the image of God in us to respond to the image of God in someone else. In other words, God created you to love. He, he created you to be patient. He created you to be encouraging. He created you to speak life to people. And yet you have this issue with this person and you can't do any of that for them. You can't pray for them, yet you say you believe God. You say you love God because you got issue with them and then the devil will tell you you're justified to not love them. God says, no, you're not. You have to forgive them. And so forgiveness is really about you letting that go so you can live life. By the way, if you can't forgive them and you can't pray for them, it will disrupt how you have every other relationship in your life because of the unforgiveness you have for this person. We also talked about forgiveness. If you forgive, do you need to is it okay what they did? In other words, if I forgive somebody, does that mean it's okay what they did? Absolutely not. Say no. If they, if they, if they did something, they got to pay. I had a guy rip me off. Rip me off. I, he, he was a Christian. The guy, he took some of my money and invested it and he blew it. And he, he just was irresponsible. And I was like, brother, I forgive you, but I want my money. 
So we sat down, wrote a contract, and I said, I love you, I love you, just I want my money. <laughs> so it was cool. I, you know, it's not okay what you did. If I forgive, are there still consequences? Yes, you need to go to jail if it's jail worthy. Matter of fact, I may even come pray for you, but you'll be behind glass and I won't. <laughs> so when you, say, when you forgive somebody, it's not like you're saying what, what they did is okay. It's not like you're saying they shouldn't have consequence. You're just not the person to give the consequence. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Can I get amen? If I forgive, do I need to trust them? No. Unless they earn it. And here's what I mean by that. By a show of hands, how many of you ever had a conflict with somebody? And I'm going to even put it this way. You like couldn't stand somebody. And they messed you. I haven't asked the question yet. Keep your hands down. Okay. <laughs> Y'all like me, me, me. Okay. Hold your horses, homie. You had someone in your life. You couldn't stand them. They did something wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. And now you're friends. Raise your hand real high. Guess what? God, stop tripping. So you trust them. And by the way, some of y'all are that person. They couldn't stand you. Right? If I forgive, do I need to forget? Yes and no. You need to forget the idea of seeking revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. So forget that. But you need not to forget to protect your heart. That means that there are some people you just need to avoid. They're just dangerous to you. They're harmful to you. They don't like you. They got an agenda. So you just need to protect yourself. Say, look, I'm not going to trust you until you can prove it. And that may not be ever. You don't have to be everybody's friend. You can love somebody and not be their friend. Loving somebody is a commitment to helping them obey God. Liking someone is enjoying it. <laughs> right? So I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you by staying away from you because if I'm around you, uh, stuff happens in me. Just, ah, but, 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 so, so therefore, I, I love you. Just stay over there. But the people you love and like, those are the people you want to be around because you enjoy it. I don't enjoy loving you. So I, I'm going to enjoy you. I don't enjoy loving you when I'm close to you, when I have to see you, when I have to hear your voice, when I have to smell your, your smell. But if, I, but if I just love you, there, I'll pray to the heavens that I'm good, okay? Now, John chapter 8. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is real. Because you think if I'm a Christian, I got I to, gotta. now, by the way, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to have a relationship with who God guides you to have a relationship. Some of our family members, we got to see them. And you're like, man, why is it? Because God says, this is, these are the difficult relationships I'm going to force you to have. And you got to deal with it. So you don't want to be so quick to say, Oh, I'm never going to be around you. You better listen to the Holy Spirit on that. Because that may be just your pride. So in this story, in John chapter 8, there are certain characters. And whenever you read a story in the Bible, you want to identify with the characters. In this story, there's four kind of characters. There's Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. We all want to be like him. That's why we're here. And the other reason we're here is because we're not like him. Yet. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why we're here. Someone said, oh, you got hypocrites in your church. This is where y'all hypocrites are supposed to be. So we're glad you're here. Can I get amen? Amen. Okay. But you need to come here with a commitment to be unhypocritized. Okay. So don't come here saying I'm just going to stay a hypocrite. So you have Jesus. Say Jesus. Then he's going to be in the temple. And then you have the people he's teaching. That's the congregation. These are people witnessing what's going to happen. Then you have the religious snobs or stuck-up religious people who, are, who some of us are like. We think we know everything. Everybody else is wrong. We're always right. And we go around telling people why they're wrong. Some of y'all like that person. They're called Pharisees and scribes. And you never want to be that. Those were Jesus' enemies, by the way. So if you think you know so much that you want to judge everybody, you are Jesus' enemy. 
<laughs> and then you have this lady who was caught in the act of adultery. Now in the story, there's going to be someone who extends forgiveness. There's going to be someone who receives forgiveness. And there's going to be someone who makes a monster out of the person who needs the forgiveness. So you have to pick which one you want to be like as you listen to the story. My prayer is that you would one, be, be one, uh, two people. One, that you would be like Jesus to give forgiveness. And that you would be like the woman who received the forgiveness. Now, if you feel like, man, I'm a Pharisee, fabulous. Just don't leave one. If you feel like, man, I'm kind of critical, great. You can be converted. That's what this is all about. That you will become more like Jesus. Can I get amen? So we're going to read the story. Jesus is going to be doing a Bible study at the temple. They're going to, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are going to find this girl in the, act, in the act of committing adultery. We'll get into what that might have been like. And they're going to throw her down. She's going to go on the ground. <laughs> and she's going to fall. And then, then they're going to have a conversation. Okay. Let's read it. Let's read it. John chapter 8. Verse 1. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came to the temple and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees, say Pharisees, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Now, these are the religious dudes, right? So they're going to tell him, I'm going to tell you what they're going to tell him, then I'm going to tell it to you, and then I'm going to tell you what I said. They're going to say, we caught this woman <laughs> getting down. They were, they were doing it. How do you know that? Right, we just know. No, you were looking through the window. Okay, look what it says. It says, verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they set her in his midst, they said, teacher, to Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. So we were like just watching. We wanted to get all the evidence that we could get. We just watched it and watched it and watched it. And they were just getting it. And then we went in there and snatched her out of the act. And what happened to the dude? Where's the dude at? We'll talk about that later. And we brought her to you and threw her down and we caught her in the act. And by the way, they weren't trying to help the girl. They were trying to catch Jesus. See, the religious leaders always tried to catch Jesus doing something contradictory to the Old Testament so they can tell the people he's not legit because they couldn't, they didn't have the power he had, the love he had. They didn't have the favor and popularity he had. So they were trying to trick him and try to catch him. And you have to understand when you see the religious leaders or any story, you want to look at the people and say, do I want to be like that guy or group or do I want to be like that group? You never want to be like the religious people. You don't ever want to be like them. You always want to be like Jesus and they were always at odds. So they throw her down and, they, and they're going to ask Jesus, this is reading between the lines. Everybody likes you, but they don't know you're a fraud. What are you going to do with this lady? Now, if Jesus says stone her, then they're going to say he's just like us. He's not what you think. But if he says don't stone her, then they're going to say, well, he contradicted the Bible, so he's not legit. So they think they got him. Whenever you see these conversations in the Bible with Jesus, always watch how they're trying to catch him and always watch what he does. Because you can't outsmart God. Can I get an Amen. So, so why is it that y'all try? Why you create loopholes in the Bible that go against what God says because you think you're smarter than God? Oh, uh, come on now. <laughs> I told you I'm getting in your business. Y'all think it's going to be easy, right? It's going to be easy. <laughs> so it says in verse, in verse uh, 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and they set her in, in the midst and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law, the Old Testament, commanded that she should be stoned. What do you say? 
They said this, testing him, that they might have something with which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down on the ground and wrote in the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. This is so smooth. They throw her down. <laughs> she falls on the ground. And, she, and they're like, we caught her in the adverse act. We were watching the whole thing. We knew it. it was, and we, we were there from the beginning and we got it. And we know he's married. She's married. And, and, and what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Jesus goes. You don't say nothing. <laughs> he stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. He didn't pay attention. I ain't, I ain't listening to you fools. So they continued asking him, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He raised up and said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone up. Check us out. Check us out. Imagine if he was writing this. Louis, you were with her last week. <laughs> Jimmy and John, y'all were with her two weeks ago. But he, we don't know what he wrote, but this is just a theory. So <laughs> this could be totally wrong. It don't matter. <laughs> I'm already telling you I don't know if this is right. But it sounds really good, don't it? How can a man say And look what he said. He got up and said, uh, how many of y'all got no sin in your life? You could throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and wrote again. I know your sin. I know your sin. I know your sin. And look what happened. They are, then those who heard it, being convicted in their conscience, went out one by one, being the oldest to the last, and he was left alone with the woman standing there. They turned her into a monster. And they said, she died, she needs to die. We do that. How many of y'all have been guilty of being a Pharisee? You turned someone into a monster. Because y'all, y'all are like... Don't want to raise your hand. Is that right? Well, I, I have. Has anybody else turned somebody into a monster? And by the way, if you're a visitor, we raise our hand by putting an elbow above our ear. Let's, let's do a conviction, right? I'm bad. Come on now. This girl up there waving her hand. That's right. Waving in the air like you just don't care. Look at all you sinners. Don't, leave it up. Leave it up. Come on. Come on. Leave it up. Leave it up. Okay. So we do that. She needs to die. She's a monster. And Jesus says, she's a woman. Look what he says. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord, neither do I condemn you. And then what he said, sin no more. He humanized the monster. Number one in your notes. Humanize your monster by confessing ooh, your sin to God. My monster face broke. Humanize your monster by confessing your unforgiveness to God. Before you can point your finger there, look at all these fingers pointing right here. I told you last week I had an argument. It was 20-something 20, 20 years ago when I was working at a church as a pastor. Another pastor of mine, a, a, a pastor on staff, we did not like each other. We argued. I went to bed arguing with him in my head. Couldn't stand him. He couldn't stand me. He was wrong, I was right. <laughs> Until we had a meeting with our boss for three hours yelling at each other. And then I realized I was a monster too. 
Until you can accept that you have sin in your life, it's going to be hard for you to accept sin in someone else's life. You are not going to be able to experience forgiveness unless you know that you have been forgiven. You know what Jesus said in, in, in chapter, in verse 7, he said, if you, have not throw, if you have not sinned, throw the first stone. If you're holy and you never sinned. Now, the only reason he said that is because he knew no one had sinned. He had no sin. He didn't throw a stone. So even if you didn't have sin, you wouldn't throw a stone because your nature would be to forgive. But because you do have sin, you couldn't throw the first stone. You got to go. And they walked away. You have to dehumanize your own monster and accept, accept the fact that you have sinned and look in the mirror first before you start looking in the mirror, looking at someone else. Because if you are looking through the filter of your own pride, your own arrogance, your own self-righteousness, your own pharisaical ways of thinking, if you look at people through the, that lens, you will always see fault. And not only will you always see fault, you will always see your justification to judge that fault. But if you look at someone and say, listen, I'm a sinner too. I have been forgiven too. Then you will be able to extend forgiveness to somebody else. Number two, humanize their monster by identifying a potential wound the offender has suffered. In, Tommy's, in the story with Tommy, his dad who was assaulting women, was himself assaulted as a kid, violated as a kid, saw his father disrespect his mother, beat his mother, abuse his mother. He grew up with that as his model. Does that justify? No, but it helps explain. Because what God wants to do, he doesn't want you to push, throw you away in jail and throw away the key. He wants to rehabilitate you. I used to do cocaine two days. I don't anymore. God didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to punish you for doing it. I'm going to actually change your nature. How many, of us, how many of you used to do something you don't do anymore? How many of y'all used to do something you don't do anymore? God wants to do that through you. Remember I said forgiveness is the ability of the image of God and you to interact with the image of God and someone else. One of the things that God does is he restores people. He looks past their pain and their actions and their words and their attitudes and says, there's something in you that is, has potential to glorify God. That's what we have to relate to. And so one of the things you could do to dehumanize the monster is say, okay, I see a criminal, but let me go past the mask and see what's behind that mask. If you ever go to a prison, which I would highly encourage you all to go uh, as a visitor, how many of y'all never visited a prison before? You never went to do ministry? It's no, no shame in your game. I'm not going to embarrass you too bad. Just don't, don't raise, raise your hand up high. Come on, let me see, let me see that. Okay, very good. I, I want to encourage you to go to a prison. Why? And I want you to go to prison and just talk to people. And here's what you will come out with. They're just like me. They're just like you. And I would venture to say, and I think I could say this safely, and a lot of y'all could be in prison for stuff you've done. You just got lucky or you knew somebody. I have friends that tell you that person should be in jail for many years, but they knew somebody. Makes you no different. You're not better just because you didn't go to jail, just because you beat the system. But if you go there and you will notice that what you thought was a monster 
It's just like you. It's just like you. Number three, bury both monsters by extending forgiveness to the offender. At some point, you have to forgive and let it go. I will go back to the beginning of my message. Forgiveness is about you and God. You're carrying a burden of unforgiveness and pain and anger and resentment. That is impacting the rest of your life, every area of your life, and God is holding it against you. Why? He said, if you cannot forgive, I can't forgive you. You have to let it go for your sake. It has nothing to do with what they're going to do. It has nothing to do with you if you ever see them again. It has nothing to do with you ever have a relationship with them. It has everything to do with your relationship with God. And God's saying, I want to forgive you and I have forgiven you. You need to forgive them. So here's how you do it. I want you to look in your lesson plan. There is a form of a letter that I'm going to encourage you to write. I want you to think about someone you want to forgive. And by the way, you can do this 10, 20, as many times as you want. But this letter is something you are going to write, read to someone who you can trust, read it out loud, and then you are going to destroy the letter so it's not around haunting you. And then no one can find it and go, oh, look what you wrote. But you're going to read it and you're going to get it out. It is so important to put on paper our thoughts. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What does that mean? Someone can do one thing in your life and over time your heart will compound and put steroids and hot sauce on what they did. And all of a sudden they, they told one thing that you misunderstood. And the next thing you know, two years later, it is five lies. And really all it was was you misunderstood it. And so what the letter is, is an opportunity for you to get out of your heart all this turmoil the devil's stirring up in your mind. Because I promise you, I have a list of uh, lies that the devil puts in my head. A list, I have like 50 lies that the devil puts in my head and I read them to, to, to denounce them. And one of the lies is that my perspective is right. Your perspective is not that's 100% true. It's your perspective, but it's your perspective. There's many signs to every coin. And so you, you have to understand that what you have in your head and how you remember things is just the way you remember them. And when you write them on a piece of paper, it helps to clarify what you think you know. Because you will have emotions that are not tied to reality. And you'll know that once you start trying to write them down. Because you're going to realize, I'm super mad at that. And so here's, let's go through the letter. And this is a form, you can do it any way you want. This is a, a form you can um, follow. I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to go through the blank. And you don't have to do it right now, obviously. Take time to flesh it out. But this is a letter that you're going to write to this person that you want to forgive. And then you are going to read it to someone that you can trust. And then you're going to destroy it. Read, write, read, destroy. Everyone say write. Say write, say read, read, say destroy. And you want to write all the do dirty facts you can think of. Get it all out. And then after it's over, it's over. And you take that and you say, I'm done with it. Because as long as you let that person's offense torment you, they have control over you. I told you last week, this lady came to me. She said, I've been mad at you for eight years. And I was like, what is your name? Who are you? I don't know what you're talking about. So she's been in turmoil for eight years and I'm <laughs> chilling. <laughs> Now, I'm in turmoil over other stuff, but not her stuff. So that person has power over you. So you got to let this go for you. You are giving them a whole lot more power than that offense deserves. So let's look at it. It says, I am writing to extend forgiveness to you. You write their name, dear, whatever. 
And then describe in detail what they did. And you can write something like, on one or several occasions you gossiped, lied, misled, violated me, whatever it is. As much detail as possible. Get it all out. Then describe how and when they did it. You did these things in public, online, when we were alone, whatever the facts are. As you remember them, describe in detail how it made you feel. Every time it made me feel hurt, worthless, betrayed, I relive it almost every day. Every time I see a woman that has hair like you, which is every woman. Every time I see or hear a girl's voice, every time I hear a high-pitched voice, smell of cologne, a perfume, I think of it, you just haunt me to death. (laughs) Extend forgiveness. I am choosing to release to God my pain and present it to God. Pray for a blessing over them. Oh, snap. This is where you're going to know you really let it go. And a blessing over them doesn't mean, oh, let me say what it means. Whatever God wants. Whatever God wants. And this is where you're going to stumble because you still have resentment. And when you can say, Lord, I pray over them (laughs) because you can't do it. That's where you are taking a step of faith. And you are telling the devil, you have no more victory in this relationship. I bless them. I bless them. And, you can, and, and let me tell you something. The longer blessing you can write, I bless your family. Look, look, look what it says. Look what it says. It says, it says, I pray a blessing over your life. I pray that God would love you past your pain and tendency to hurt people. I pray God would love your family. I pray you would, that, that, that you would repent, that, he, that you would be, come on fire for God, that you would pray. Just pray a blessing. You can't overbless somebody. Raise your hand if you know God has loved you eight million times more than you deserve. Come on, homie. You know what God says? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Please keep your hand up. This is only going to be 30 seconds. Y'all need to work out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to say, God, you, you say, God, you bless me way more than I deserve. Help me do that to other people. And guess what? You'll be happier. You know you're happier when you're happy than when you're not? That, that's not a trick question. You are happier when you're happy than when you're not. Amen. It's not a trick. It's just, it's just a fact. I'm happier when I'm happy than when I'm not. Last one. Share your commitment to release your pain to God. Write something like, I am choosing to release the desire for revenge and leave it in God's hands. How many of y'all have someone you could write this letter to? Raise your hand really high. Here's why I encourage you. You can put your hands down. Here's why I encourage you. You don't have to have been violated to write this. Someone may have offended you because of the way they looked at you. Whenever I go through airports or stores or whatever, I, I, I see people that I know. Sometimes I don't know if I know them. So I kind of look a little longer than maybe, a little longer than, than a stranger, but not long enough to be a creep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I don't want to look at somebody and just like, <laughs> because, you know, because sometimes people will be looking and I'm like, are they going to say hi? They're going to say, hey, Pastor Miles. And I don't want to be like rude and look away. So I'm kind of, okay, you, you, you got the high Pastor Miles time frame and that's it. I'm going, right? <laughs> but sometimes 
I might have to, you know, I might, it, it, I may not pick up that they're going to say hi and I just look away and they're like, he just all stuck up. He don't want to talk. He, he's nice at church, but he ain't nice at the airport. <laughs> so I try to minimize those things, right? But I'm, I, sometimes I'm, you know, I don't know. Well, that may have happened with somebody. They, you know, you think they hurt you and because you have an issue, you're mad at them. Write them a letter. Just get it off you. Stop tripping. Stop being petty. So guess what? God gave me a letter that he wants to read to you. So I'm going to ask all you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. All the campuses, bow your head and close your eyes. Here's God's letter to you. I am writing a letter to extend forgiveness to you. You have sinned more times than you can imagine. They have all broken my heart. But I love you so much. I want to forgive you so our relationship can be healed. I realize that you have had a lot of pain in your life and have learned to act the way you do. But I can overlook that and help you. Therefore, I sent my son Jesus to die for your sin. You have no idea how horrible his death was. They mocked him, beat him, spit on him, punched him, whipped him, and nailed him to wood where he hung for hours. My son took all of your sin and shame and nailed it on the cross. And he never spoke a word of revenge, only love. This is the forgiveness he has extended to you. Do you want it? Since he rose from the dead, my son has prayed for you. He wants your relationship restored. If you accept this offer of forgiveness, I will send my Holy Spirit to cleanse you fill you with his presence and change you forever. Eyes closed, heads bowed on all the campuses. How many of you, for whatever reason, want that forgiveness today? Just raise your hand really high. God bless you. Really high, really high, really high. Hundreds of you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You may want this forgiveness because you've never asked Christ to be your Savior or you want this forgiveness because you've just been harboring bitterness and jealousy, anger, resentment over someone. And you know God wants better for you. So in a minute, I'm going to lead you in a short prayer of telling God, our Father, I receive your forgiveness. I admit that I have been wrong. And I want my relationship with you restored. So if you would like to receive the forgiveness that God is offering you, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. By faith, you don't need to pray it out loud, but pray, dear God, I accept your forgiveness. I know I have hurt you. I know I have sinned against you. Please forgive me 
I surrender my life to you. Please send the Holy Spirit to live in my heart. Thank you, Father, for your Son and your patience in my life. I want to extend forgiveness to others like you have extended it to me. As the eyes are closed and the heads are bowed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer. At some point in your life, you not only need to extend forgiveness to other people, but you need to walk away from who you were. You may have walked in here a Pharisee. You may have walked in here the woman caught in adultery, someone guilty of something, guy or girl. But you want to walk out of here forgiven. Your monster gone. A child of God, a son, a daughter of God, forgiven. So if you prayed that prayer and you are saying, yes, Lord, I, I want to receive that forgiveness. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And if you want someone to stand with you who you came with, just tap them on the leg, the shoulder, whatever, and ask them to stand with you. So on the count of three in all the campuses, if you prayed that prayer, you're saying, yes, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three, stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 God bless you.